12 games on tap. At least our fingers are crossed. They will play. Toronto Maple Leafs, Edmonton Oilers. Maybe two weeks ago, a lot of people fantasizing about a Stanley Cup final in this one. I'm not sure how much they'd love that south of the border, but as long as Mark Messier is on that set on ESPN, it would get uh, the best coverage out there. Mark, how are you? Thanks for joining us. <laughs> I'm doing great, Kepper. Great to be talking with you again. Thanks. Um, how's your schedule been, first of all? And uh, what do you make out of all this craziness with this incredible spike in the last 24, 48 hours, COVID and the National Hockey League? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is what's going to happen for the Olympics. Uh, that's the most pressing thing that's going to uh, have to be determined pretty quickly because we're getting games canceled. Uh, teams are uh, seem to be really affected by it, and uh, it, it's a bit of, it seems to be a bit of a problem right now. Yeah, it is a major concern. Uh, Connor McDavid just uh, you know had a quote earlier today where he said things were unsettling. How important do you think that international play was for your career how important was it to you and and just your legacy when you look back at your career well i think uh for me personally uh playing for or having the opportunity to play for canada and back in the world or the canada cups or world cups uh was incredible uh, i grew up watching the 72 series the great summit series and uh you know it was it was a dream come true um you know, that was best on best back then. Uh, we didn't have the Olympics. So now that we have the Olympics, uh, what an incredible opportunity for the players to be able to go there. Uh, but they're going to really have to determine what how that's going to affect the rest of the season uh, if they decide to go. Mark, did you play on a Canada Cup team with my dad, Bob Bourne, once upon a time? We sure did. Uh, right after we won the Stanley Cup in 1984, uh, it was the Islanders and the Oilers were, were a majority of that team. Yeah, you know, I, I remember I read Gretzky's autobiography where he said that my dad at some point stood up and said, you guys don't like us and we don't like you or something to that effect. What's it like playing with guys, you know, that you've competed against with such vicious rivalry over the years? Well, oftentimes the guys that you don't like uh, to play against, the guys you love as teammates, and uh, that was sure the the the, the, the uh, situation with us, uh, the Oilers and the, and the Islanders. Uh, we had a lot of dislike but we had a lot of respect and when we got to the Canada Cup in 1984 there was a little bit of uh, getting used to uh, <laughs> feeling out process with the, with the fellas but uh, you're right your dad did step up there and kind of uh, broke the ice and uh, and uh, you, you know laid it on the line and, and ultimately we all came together because of uh, it was more important what we're doing for the country than our individual beefs. Mark, I'm, I'm going through No One Wins Alone, your memoir, uh, which is available uh, this Christmas. Great, great gift. Great uh, life story of, of you and your family. You speak of uh, what it was like growing up, uh, watching the Olympics and, and how that was important to you. Uh, your international record speaks for itself, but you did not get an opportunity to play in the Olympics because I think Bob Clark made a stupid uh, decision. <laughs> Um, but uh, we won't get into that. But um, really, I want to ask you in terms of Connor McDavid and, and what maybe he might be going through, because uh, there is the thought that this may be a lost opportunity. And maybe 
you know, when, when Bob Clark didn't name you in, in, in 98, maybe that's something that you, you can relate with is, is, is the feeling of how badly, you know, some of these guys want to go. Well, I was at the end of my career when uh, I, I wasn't selected. And so I knew that was going to be my last opportunity. So that was a bit of uh, obviously disappointing uh, to be able to say that I played in the Olympics and obviously won a gold medal would have really, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if it would have fulfilled my career, but it would have been something I could have said I participated in. Uh, I think for Connor himself, the, the thought of him playing alongside the best players in Canada, best players in the world against the best players in the world, uh, has got to be really appealing to him. I know it was me when I had the chance to play in the Canada Cups with Wayne and Mario and all the great players that we played with. So I think that is really something that he's thinking about. Obviously, winning a, a gold medal for Canada is, is the other thing. Uh, so he's at uh, he's right at that time of his career where if it doesn't happen this year, it's not like he's not going to get another opportunity. Hopefully, and uh, but I'm, I know he's really relishing the opportunity to get in there and play in the Olympics. Mark, the Oilers have uh, a lot of, you know, they had a great start and they've got a lot of talent on that team, but they've had a frustrating run here, uh, five losses in a row. What what would it be like for a guy like Connor McDavid being a great player on a team that's struggling, trying to pull this team uh, along to get some wins? I know he badly wants to play in the most meaningful hockey at the end of the year. What would that feeling of frustration, like I know you were almost primarily on great teams in your career, but I, I can imagine you can relate at times to trying to bring along a team that's not quite there. Oh, I, I can relate for sure. I had uh, many uh, times through my career where we had long losing streaks, and uh, there's nothing more frustrating. The, the, the initial reaction is to try to do more and uh, play more minutes and uh, work harder. And, but the reality is, is that you have to be able to rely and trust your teammates in order to do their job and uh, not get too wrapped up in, in overworking, uh, trying to overplay, but do you know, play the game that comes naturally to you. And, uh, you know, like my book said, <laughs> nobody can win alone. As great as Connor is and as great as the greatest best players in all sports have been, they needed the support of the players around them in order to become champions, and Connor will, will need the same. Uh, Mark, the, the pressure, particularly on McDavid and Dreisaitl, to carry it every night and to provide the offense every night. Now, I, I look at your your days in Edmonton, and I my, the comparison is the pressure that you know you and Gretzky had. But of course, Coffee was there, and Curry was there, and Anderson was there, and and Nurse is there for for them, and 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 Zach Hyman. Unfortunately, he's out of the lineup tonight, but it's nowhere near that that supporting cast. Do you, do you, do, would you worry if if you're Edmonton? just the, the mental strain on these guys to have to be human highlight reels every night for this team to compete? Well, they have to be that. And every best player in any sport, uh, when you're in that position to, and being paid the money they are, that's what the expectations are, that you are going to go out and lead the way offensively You know, most of the time. Of course you need depth scoring. Of course you need the support from the players around you in order to you know, become a, a champion. But... Uh, that's just the lay of the land. Uh, that pressure is always going to be on those kinds of players like Connor or like Austin Matthews and all the best players in, in, in the league. Uh, it was no different for us. I remember Winnipeg, uh, the one year, I think they had nine guys that had 20 goals. So they had amazing depth scoring. Uh, and uh, they, they took a good run at us in Edmonton some of those years with the great uh, teams uh, that they had with, led by Dale Howardchuk. But uh, depth scoring is, is critical. Uh, and, it's, and obviously when you get down to the – 
nitty gritty down to the end of the season and into the playoffs there. It's not how many goals you score, it's how many big goals you score. And a lot of times we won games, uh, you know, in the playoffs, uh, getting contributions from Kevin McClellan or Dave Hunter or some of our depth players there that were the, were the difference in the games. Marcus, someone who's a you know career captain, leader of the the teams you played on. How do you keep a team going through the middle of the season lulls? I guess you know thinking of the Oilers now, but also the Leafs. They haven't been great lately, and we know they've got talent. Um, but you just kind of see after twenty some games that initial start of the season excitement kind of wears off a bit. You know, how, how do you go about trying to get a team the best out of a team every night when you just can't do it eighty two times in a season? A couple of good parties would help, right, Mess? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you got to break the season up into about four or five great parties there. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) But I think, yeah, you know, you're right. The first 20 games, everybody's excited, and then the reality of a long season sets in. But I think what, you know, a great example of that is the Tampa Bay uh, Lightning right now. Uh, All the injuries they have, all the hockey they play, they just go out there, and they're so professional. They get contributions from everybody. they got great leadership, great coaching. And what you realize is that uh, when you uh, come to the rink each and every day, uh, nothing but your best will be enough. And uh, it starts with leadership, it starts with culture, and uh, it gets to the point where you never want to let the guy beside you down. So you, you come to the rink with the idea that you're going to give it, lay, lay it all on the line every night. And when you start to do that, you start to see where you can win games when you're not playing your best. You can win games when... Uh, you know, you got injuries because everybody else can chip in, and uh, that's what Tampa's doing now, and that's what the great teams figure out a way to do throughout their regular season. They find the miraculous in the mundane, and uh, that is the most important thing. And 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 separating and breaking the season down into five game segments, and and celebrating the little victories along the way to keep it exciting. And it's always the parties that you never saw coming you remember the most. <laughs> So we're playing, we're playing, we're playing in Ottawa. It's their expansion. We're playing in that junior A rink, right? Where there's like 9,000 people there and we are struggling like crazy. And I think we, we squeak out a win. We charter back, we land. I get off the plane. Mess looks at me and goes, where are you going? I said, I'm, I'm going home. He says, no, we're not. We just beat the 1927 Stanley Cup champions. <laughs> we're, we're, we're going out, baby. We're going out. <laughs> We're going to celebrate that. <laughs> uh, well, I tell you what, if, you, if you're not having a good time uh, when you're 22, 23, 24 years old, no making some money playing the National Hockey League, uh, wow, there's something wrong. So the music should be on and you should be having a good time. I, I think for the most part, the the uh, Austin Matthews and, and the Mitch Marners of the world, they, they seem to be having a good time. The Leafs have had a pretty good run. Uh, last few games, maybe on the blue line, having some issues here, but overall uh, your thoughts of, of Toronto and, and Edmonton tonight. Well, I think it's a great matchup, but you look at both teams there. I mean, both teams are building uh, as serious contenders to win a Stanley cup. Uh, they got enormous talent on both teams. Uh, they're trying to figure out a way to, uh, to, to play a winning style of hockey when the, when the chips get down to the line late in the game, late in the season where you can play a style of hockey that, uh, that will will be a winning uh, combination uh, in the playoffs, and I think both teams are right at that uh, uh, stage of their of their careers. You look at uh, uh, you know uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, you know six seventh years in the league now. Uh, you know time's ticking, and uh, same thing with Austin and Toronto. Uh, you know 
years are kind of starting to slide by now. They're in the peak of their career, so now is the time. They've got to figure out a way to get it done. Yeah, no kidding. It is uh, it's, yeah, a little nerve-wracking time for Oilers and Leafs fans. It's like, okay, we need to move on a little bit. You know, I couldn't help but think when you and Kipper were laughing about the 27 uh, Stanley Cup champions bit, like about fun and hockey and what Trevor Zegras just did in Anaheim, you know, which a lot of people thought was like the epitome of fun in today's NHL. You know, there's a bit of a ruckus when John Tortorella said he's not sure it's good for the game and uh, you know, where do you stand on 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 a play like that? If you were watching that happen when you were playing, were you, would you think you, I need to go spear that guy in the throat or what? I think John would have been really happy if that he was coaching that team and that was a goal to win the yeah. Stanley Cup. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. So, I, so I'm not sure about that. You know what, know though? I would have been. You, you know, Mark, um, For me, the, uh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I just think that, you know, the game evolves. Uh, the kids they try more, they do more, they're more skilled. Uh, and if we don't allow that kind of creativity to creep into our game, look at Wayne when he came into the game. Nobody played a style of hockey that Wayne did. Nobody stood behind the net and then uh, drew everybody to him and found the open guy. Uh, so he evolved the game, and everybody kind of tried to copy him, although it was hard. But uh, this is just the nature of the game. Uh, this is where what happens uh, when these players uh, come in with so much skill. They're not afraid uh, to try things, and uh, I, I think it's awesome for the game. You know, I, I, I watch it, and, and I get all of it. Um, and there's a lot of people making the argument it helps grow the game. But, you know, John Tortorella and a lot of other people, th- they're not marketers. They don't care about growing the game. The only thing I ask you, Mark, uh, when you see a play like that, is if you are in now a, a, a conference final or a Stanley Cup final, do you want Zegers trying to make that play? Because I watched... Um, uh, uh, a game Edmonton in, in Carolina, and it's... Uh, Svechnikov. Svechnikov. Did you see that? No. He tried it, the Michigan play. Mm-hmm. And within three seconds, it was a three-on-two the other way. So my question to you, Mark, is would, would you want to see him try that in, in, a, in an overtime, in a, in a best-of-seven? Well, I think the thing that really caught everybody off guard is nobody expected it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, look at the lacrosse goal. Would, would, would anybody be complaining if someone scored a big goal in the uh, in overtime uh, with a lacrosse-style goal uh, where they pick the puck up on your blade or your stick and put it uh, uh, lacrosse-style into the net? I don't think anybody would be complaining if it worked. Uh, having the skill set to be able to do it with under pressure when people are chasing you is another thing. So I, I don't have a problem with it in any, in any way whatsoever. So I, I think if, you're, if you have the skill set that you can do it, then go for it. If it works, there's no different than throwing the puck out in the net from behind the net trying to find an open player and it goes back three and two. So I, I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that kind of uh, you know, uh, rebuttal when people are talking about what happened uh, to the goal or after the goal. And as far as the big hits that we've seen in the last week, uh, certainly brought, I think, a lot of good memories or probably great memories because others were on the receiving end of your hits like that. Um, but something that we haven't really seen on a consistent basis. Well, I'll tell you what, I've just been watching the New York Ranger games and Truba is uh, mm-hmm. he's a, a modern-day Scott Stevens the last uh, couple weeks there. It's amazing uh, how well he's playing, how aggressive he's playing, and how... Uh, how he's become a very dangerous guy to play against if you don't have your head up. Uh, so I, I think that's always going to be a part of the game. I like a good, clean hit. And uh, and I think, the, you know, there's not a lot of it or there's not a, maybe as much as it used to be. But I'll tell you what, when it does happen, it's a good, good wake-up call for everybody that, you know, it's a dangerous game out there. I better have my head up at all times. 
I told I told Sammy and JB the uh, the Dallas story when uh, things got a little crazy down there, and and you stood up and said, "Listen, forget about going after their meatheads. Let's go and and get their best players." And then you unfortunately hit Mike Medano, the poor guy on a stretcher, got dropped right outside the uh, the ambulance. But uh, uh, it's always helpful when your best players kind of lead that physicality, doesn't it? Well, I think everybody's got to take a take a piece of it when you really get down to it. And there's a lot of ways to play tough hockey. Uh, you know, nobody was a tougher hockey player than Yari Curry, and he would stay in front of the net and take a beating in order in order to score a goal. Or Brian Leach going back at 185 pounds with Eric Lindros breathing down his neck and going and never flinching and never not going and getting the puck first. So there's a lot of ways to show courage. There's a lot of way to play tough hockey. Uh, taking the bodies, one of them there, but uh, showing courage and taking a hit to get the puck out at a crucial time or standing in front of the net where there's, where there's not a real pleasant place to stay is also another way. He's Mark Massier. No One Wins Alone is his memoir available uh, right now. Uh, Mark, congratulations on the book. Thank you so much for helping us tee up the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Edmonton Oilers. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks again, pal. I'll be tuning in. I can't wait for the game. It should be a great, great prelude to what's coming down the stretch here. All right. Mark Robert, Messi, thanks, everybody. Mark. So. How good is Mess? Yeah, he was the real deal. Still is the real deal. If Zegris throws that puck over the net. Yeah. And Sammy or uh, Sonny Milano. Sammy. I'm not doing Sammy that. Sammy and Sonny. Miss. Miss. Yeah. And it goes back down on a three on two and they score. Yeah. Uh, do the hockey, does the hockey world all over Zegers for trying that? Well, here's the point. First off, Messi made an excellent point. If he tries to pass that puck out front and it fans or skips or whatever and goes the other way, it's the same thing. Well, it's, no, it's not the same here's thing. Here's the thing. When it's he, not the same thing. I, I don't, I okay. don't agree with that. I, 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 percentage wise says that if you're coming out and you want to slide a puck, I like my chances better than throwing it up uh, five feet up in the air. I appreciate that. But I do think that there's an expectation when you try something that looks creative that it work 100% of the time or you're not taking the game seriously, and I hate yeah. that. Like, I, I experienced that with coaches where, you know, if you wanted to try a more creative, fancy pass, if it doesn't work, they, oh, you're, you know, sit on the end yeah. of the bench or whatever. And it's like, well, the success rate of passing it to the guy is not 100 either. I have no problem. Game number 25. Yeah. Trying that. I just don't know. I, I kind of agree with you. I just don't know if I want the Stanley Cup on the line that that's the pass that I want to see. And in my era, it was I just... I think that's it, a very good point. It was just... You're allowed to make that point. It was... Thank you very much. <laughs> it was just strictly anything you did out there, only... There was only one word to describe it, hot-dogging it. And yeah, that word... Hot-dog was another way of saying... In our hockey world, high risk play. That's all. To me, it was not ta- it means not taking it seriously. If you're hot dog and you're trying to be fancy and have people go, "Oh, look at me! It's about me. I'm a you know." Means a delicious snack to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I equate it as really high risk and unnecessary. I feel like in playoffs, it's just so north south. Just you don't want to be the guy. I'm telling you right now. If that is game seven and Zegers tries that and they go down three on two, like we saw in Edmonton and Carolina, I think it was uh, Sveshnikov that tried that wraparound, um, and they score and you lose the series, 
everybody's ripping on Zegers. Well, and I will say though, as a you know guy who liked to look for offensive plays, if I was below the goal line, I I tried to force one to an opponent who wasn't open and it went the other way, I'd get killed for that too. You know, forcing yeah. plays into you know, it is it's a high risk play. You know, and that's yeah. If you want to, and that's what that, I think. That's a critique. That's, that's what I think. Um, you know, Tortorella again. You got to understand this. He's a coach. He's clearly, thinking, no. He's thinking, clearly, he's no. Thinking coach mentality, and he, he he wants to stick with the high percentage plays. That's the repetition yeah. of a regular season of just making smart, sound decisions. And that one's outside the box. That's that's the only point that he was he, well, he was trying to make. I don't know if he did. You're defending a point. You're ably defending a point that he didn't make. You know, he had he said that I don't like the play because of the risk factor and the hockey side of it, I can hear that all day. Yeah. Him well, saying it's not good for the game and the kids and the well, Here's the, the, it's an honest game, unlike that play, which is did deceitful. the puck uh, cross the goal line and enter the net. That's all you need. Eh? Is that, is that what happened? You're a results, then, not process guy. I agree, though, with Kip, though. I, he's, I, I don't think he's trying that in the playoffs. I mean, we haven't seen Zegers in the playoffs. He seems like a incredibly confident young man who will try anything at any time. But, you know, I don't think he's trying that in the playoffs. I have a hard time believing that has, uh, has anyone attempted the, the Svechnikov in the playoffs? I don't think so. So, or the Boy, it's Mike Leg is it the to, Michigan? It's a pretty good way to get the puck in the net from behind the net. I think you'll see it. I think you'll see it. It's become common enough. I don't think you'll see the Zegras one because the puck's in the air for too long. You have time to react, develop, yeah. grab a stick. Yeah, like That's yeah. not becoming a like, thing, just, thing. Just really think about it, though. Uh, you know, the Michigan around the net, lacrosse. What, what's the worst that... It can happen. It goes back Shot into the corner. It, yeah. It, 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 it carries. Totally agree. It's low risk right? if you execute it. The other one is up the middle, one guy behind the net, the other one at the top of the crease. And you can't pass it fast either, Kipper. You're, you can't because it has to come down. You, 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 you've got two guys caught right there. Yeah. So I, I just play the percentages. Big thing. Dale Hunter used to always say that to me. Play the percentages. Mm-hmm. And then I cough one up the middle and then get benched. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, what did I tell Chum. you, Kim? Yeah. He's like, John, what was the percentage of that one? <laughs> I loved that. Uh, I loved that. The Ottawa Senator story. Yeah. yeah. That gave me a great laugh. But well, that, that, you know, I, I can relate though to the breaking up of the season and, you, and it sounds everyone is having a laugh about it, but it's like, there's a thing to like, we're in a rut here in the regular season. We just need a, I'm telling a blowout, you, and, a fresh start. And, and, and a guy like Mark would always kind of keep you guessing because there's some nights when you you, you thought, well, we won, we're going out. And he's like, no, 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 we played like crap. We're not going yeah. anywhere. Not showing my face anywhere. And you probably think long and hard before you go out too. And like, I'm not going out. If he's you, not going out. I'm not going if out. If you're the Leafs, you want to go out after you lose to the Jets or you <laughs> lose to the Wild. You don't want to go out after Columbus or Chicago, right? That's right. Or Tampa. We came in here after they lost to the Wild and Jets and we talked about them like they were... The cup favorites. Well, I still think that those two games made me feel better about them than any game that happened this week. Like, not even close. Yeah. You're right. Only thing that I feel okay about with those Columbus and uh, Chicago games is getting up 5-1, 4-1 is a lot harder, you know, to do. And them, like, relaxing is something that's fixable. Mm. You know, it's harder to get up. It's easy yeah. to just say stay on the pedal. I just, I, I hope, I hope those are 
those those were wins that like wear on you. You carry with you. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you Feels go like up three one four one. It's like somebody standing up and saying, "We can't have." Columbus, Chicago creep back into the last 12 minutes of this game. Somebody's mm-hmm. got to stand up and remind guys that, you know, we got embarrassed. We couldn't we couldn't close. So you hope that when people say, when teams lose and they say, but it was a moral victory because yeah. we did this, you hope those are like moral losses. You figure out that that's not the way you want to win hockey games. That's right. That's um, right. We've gone, you know, a little while here now without any news about COVID in the NHL. So maybe we can make it to the end of our show. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I did see something. Terry Valley was talking about the he was talking about the Preds having a little having a little issue. So, yeah, I don't I don't know what the answer is here, guys. I really don't. I uh, saw I saw the uh, thing on Twitter that said that more tests are coming in for Vancouver uh, yeah. as at six p.m. tonight. So there's still a chance that you know they get a bunch of positives. They pull shoot on tonight, which would mean Saturday for the Leafs too. Yeah. So. Uh, you guys take care the rest of the week. I'm I'm taking vacation early, uh, Christmas <laughs> vacation early. Me and Sammy discussing the Preds' second unit power play. <laughs> I mean, I got tons of Raptors thoughts. Boy, Scotty Barnes looked unbelievable last night. Boys, want to get into that? God. How oh, many? Uh, so uh, it it was Chicago Bulls. Yeah, just just on uh, Thursday night they got their game canceled. But the Toronto eleven Rap- they had something like ten or eleven yeah. out of seventeen. Yeah, they didn't have enough available. That's players. a big number. They didn't That's have enough field. And I mean, there's 25 more positives in the in the NFL today on top of 37 yesterday. So. NHL isn't the only sport, but we know the NFL will power through. Okay. Oh, yeah. It doesn't exist. We'll, uh, we'll take a breather here, and we got Darren Pang uh, coming up after the break, former NHL goalie, hockey analyst, also down south of the border with TNT. We'll get his thoughts on all of it coming up after the break. Real Kipper and The code word for today's episode to text 590-590 to qualify for your shot to win Leafs Penguins tickets on December 29th is Crosby. Still getting some feedback already off of that Zegras conversation we had with Mark, Mark Messier, the great Mark Messier. And how people loved it or some actually thinking, yeah, high-risk play. Yeah. Here's another guy I know that has a great opinion of it. The great Darren Pang. Great analyst. Kipper. TNT. How are you, Panger? I'm doing great, Kipper. And Borny, how are you guys doing over there? Yeah, we're doing... Cold out there, huh? Oh, yeah. Where are you? What, what hole are you on? I'm in Dallas. I'm uh, getting some work done. We got the Dallas Stars and St. Louis Blues here tonight. Okay, is it going? Because all we hear is everybody's worried about games being canceled and waiting for test results and it, we've had a horrible run here panger well you know uh, the blues had a little bit of a run as well before but once you go through seven straight days of of not no negative tests and whatever they were taken out of their nhl pro, like um protocol i think they called it just the uh um I don't, I don't know what the official words were but we were in Tampa Bay in Florida and came back home and everybody that was in the party had to be tested, even the broadcasters. So once the seven days passed and there was no more negative, no more positive tests, then, then, it's, then it's calmed down. In fact, we're getting uh, Tyler Bozak and uh, Justin Falk back tonight. Panger, how has it been with the travel and experiencing how different 
states handle COVID differently? Have you noticed a market difference, not just in rules and regulations, but sort of manner and opinion towards the whole thing? Um, Yeah. um, Let me see. We went through Tampa Bay and, you know, we went into the building. Uh, I wore a mask going into the building, went and sat in the stands on, you know, wherever and had our mask kind of, hanging over our mouth because we were having coffee or whatever. Um, when I'm in St. Louis, there's a, you know, a pretty strict policy for sure. Going downstairs, having your credential. Uh, I think the NHL is cracking down on that around the NHL just to make sure there's no one that just wandered around. That's uh, not part of the NHL staff just to make sure that the, you know, if somebody has COVID that it's not going to be uh, passed along. But, um, you know, I, I get on the team plane. I wear, I wear our mask with the other broadcasters and sit down in our seat and do our thing and basically take the team bus over to the game with the mask on and um, everything kind of normal, at, you know, from, from that point of view. January 10th is circled on the calendar because that's the last date the NHL, the Players Association, can let uh, the Olympics know whether or not they were they're going or not. After that, they can still wait it out, but there's huge fines involved. Um, but you know, from from the feedback you're getting or behind the scenes, without giving names, unless you want to share names, what are you hearing from the players and 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 their concerns? And ultimately, what do you think is going to happen here, Darren? Yeah, you know what, uh, Kipper, I, I actually get it that question a little bit from the players that uh, Tori Krug and I and uh, Justin Falk were talking about this on the plane coming here to Dallas. Um, you know, and I think Tori just asked me, you know, do you think we're really going to go now? Um, because that's when we, we, you know, saw the comments about how long you would have to stay in, in China if you did in fact test positively. And, and I think this is just me and that's, you know, one person and a few other people have asked as well, but I think they just want to know one way or the other, are we going or not going? Because basically if there's a second schedule um, that's going to come out, then guys that want to plan a little bit of a break with their families, you know, they don't want to commit to a break and then have the Olympics be canceled. And then, um, you know, then all of a sudden there's another schedule for the, you know, for the regular season for the NHL that pops up. So I, I guess I, I, I've had the question from a number of other guys Basically, they're all saying the same thing that Connor McDavid said, and that would be, if that's the way it's going to be, and if we end up testing positive and have to stay there for that amount of time, well, then that's silly. There's no, no chance in the world you're going to go there, and and uh, and I don't blame them whatsoever. So my personal feeling is that uh, the best answer would be they know at this particular point, um, and that's a shame for some of the guys that have never been to the Olympics because it is great, but... I don't believe that these Olympics are going to be the experience that you're looking for anyway, mm-hmm. other than wearing your Canadian or American or Swiss or German or whatever sweater it is you're representing, whatever country you're representing. Other than that, you're not going to get that full feel of family and friends and the excitement and the energy um, and the camaraderie. And so, I mean, I, I would take a hard pass on this. Sure. Yeah, and, and may not even be the fans in the stands to give you the roars, and the you may not have that vibe at the end. One of the names that would be potentially on Team Canada's list is Ryan O'Reilly. We did some uh, mock 
Canada lists up here, and, and O'Reilly was a fringe guy for our group. Tell us about his season this so far, which is not statistically impressive. Is the rest of his game there to, to put him into that echelon of player? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to consider him in that echelon, but no, he has not played his best hockey. He's the first to admit that. Um, he got off to an okay start, was starting to really trend uh, in the right direction, Justin, and then he actually went down with COVID, and some players like Justin Falk that's just returning, were not affected whatsoever. He barely had the sniffles. He went fishing. He got away. You know, he, he felt fine the whole time. But others, um, like Tyler Bozak and like uh, uh, like this situation, you know, didn't Ryan O'Reilly came back and really didn't have his A game. He really couldn't find his hands. He was, wasn't quick with pucks and quick in the decision-making and stripping pucks from the opposition. So um, I think he was affected by it. Now, in, in going through all of that, when you put him up against the other team's best players and he has to match up against them, he's obviously, he's obviously what he is. He's uh, not putting up the points, but he's also uh, playing a pretty diligent two-way game. So I would still have him on my, my list if I were you, and even if he was the 13th forward, he would be a guy that could go out there, trot him out, and you know, win a face-off on the left side or the, you know, the left side of the face-off dot in your own zone and secure a win or you know, a tight situation, tight hockey game. One guy that may be in the mix as well here in Toronto is John Tavares, and he's had a very solid season. Um, but when you yeah. talk about, uh, you know, certain things that either O'Reilly or Tavares do really well, like it's it's there. It's uh, uh, front, uh, net front presence. It's face-offs. It's, uh, you know, producing in, in Tavares's case, not so much um, in, in O'Reilly's, but... Uh, either one of these guys or when you're talking about a, a 13th forward or, or, or lower depth player uh, pace of play, where do you have that in the equation here? It is NHL ice. It isn't the bigger Olympic surface. So keep that in mind. But how, how is it important to you that, you know, you'd rather go with a, a speedy guy than a guy that, uh, you know, plays a methodical game? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think you still need experience and you need guys to win battles in the corners and be strong on six tipper. And because it is, you know, a 200 by 85, um, I don't think you're so preoccupied with that. I think you're preoccupied with having the guy make a play with the best players in the world. And, I mean, you know, honestly, two different styles of players. I mean, Johnny T has had a great season, um, you know, and he's on the offensive side of it. He's great pass. You guys all know the intangible that he brings to the table. And, he would probably, based on his play, have a little bit of an edge over Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, though, is, when the moment's on and the and the lights are shining, I mean, he's like, I'm not comparing him to Johnny T, but he's a guy that's not going to, you know, fade away from that kind of thing. So um, if you want a guy that's more on the offensive side of the puck, well, then obviously you get Johnny Tavares. If you're worried about feet, uh, pace of play, uh, if, you're, if, you, if you don't have enough guys that are checkers, um, then, uh, then you go with Ryan O'Reilly, and I think that that'd be the simple way of of uh, making the decision there. Hey, I was hoping you could give us some uh, uh, feedback on the Central Division. We haven't seen them a ton uh, this year up here. You know, they the the Leafs played Minnesota and Winnipeg had a tough weekend. Few good teams, but they're trying to make some sense of the standings. Colorado's in fourth right now. I know they're behind in games by a bit, but Nashville's up there. What do you make of that division, and who's a, who are the contenders coming out of the Central? Yeah, good question, Dustin. Tough division, very tough division. And, uh, you know, last year with uh, all the divisions being broken up, I mean, you know, the, the, the Blues 
uh, we're part of the Pacific Division, basically, the Honda Pacific. So um, Dallas Stars are a good team. Um, I did a TNT game last week where it went back and forth. And, I mean, they 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 went head-to-head with Vegas Golden Knights. It was an exciting game, and a late goal by Vegas won it. But uh, the Minnesota Wild, Dustin, are, are a really good team. Um, those points aren't a fluke. They play hard. They've got big bodies. They, they, they're not afraid. They remind me a little bit of a 2019 St. Louis Blues team where they're encouraged to hold on to pucks down low and, and, and wear you down and don't give up pucks. And next thing you know, you got the puck in the offensive zone for a minute and a half, and um, then you can make a line change and get the same pressure. Same pressure. So they're, they are for real. And, um, you know, the St. Louis Blues, I mean, same thing. They're, here they are with Craig Berube. Um, and and the amount of players that have been injured with COVID, I mean, he's probably done his best job coaching. I mean, he has been outstanding at pushing the right buttons here for the St. Louis Blues. So um, the other teams, I mentioned Dallas. Nashville's a surprise, I mean, because we thought the last couple of years that this team was going nowhere fast. But uh, they still have some game to them. And Colorado, for me, I would still say Colorado at the end of the season uh, will be... Uh, in top, in top, in the top spot. I just, I just think they're too, too difficult to contain, too big, too strong, too talented. The only question mark you have there is is with the goaltending and with any injuries with Darcy Kemper. Like, and what do you do now? Do you just keep riding Kemper out till what the trade deadline? Would you, would you try to figure out a way to get Mark Andre Fleury there? Like, how long do you, how long do you go with a goalie that so far? into this season you're not really sure of even health wise and play wise it just has not hasn't been very convincing he's better he's been yeah, better now a, yeah yeah they made quite a commitment to him that's for sure and i think they not as easy to make a move uh with teams up against the cap and so many tough situations kipper i i mean i think they this is just me but i think he's the goalie they're gonna they're gonna go to the hill and fight with um you know, a lot of people have said, what about Tuka Rask? Or, you know, Chicago jumped. It's Chicago really, really dropped out of stuff. What do you do with Mark Andre Fleury? But I uh, I, I, mean, I, I think Darcy Camp is going to be the guy that's going to end the season there with Colorado. Just before we let you go, Panger, your, your thoughts on uh, Toronto and Edmonton. Uh, here's an Edmonton Oiler team that looked like they were going to run away with the Pacific uh, just a short while ago. And now, much like Toronto, couple of question marks. Leafs is on the blue line, but the lack of depth to score outside of McDavid and Drysidel seems to be like this, yeah, like lifelong song. Yeah, score. I mean, it's not like they're not getting chances. They sure are. But uh, you know, you're you're right. For so long, those two guys are so hot. They're carrying the mail. Nugent Hopkins is setting up everybody, getting point after point, but not scoring goals. Um, but yeah, getting getting production from third and fourth liners is everything in the national hockey league. And we see that on a daily basis, which teams have that third or fourth line that can not just own the puck a little bit and, and give you some, you know, some good valuable ice time, but actually score chip in um, the Anaheim ducks are a good example um, of the, you know, their fourth liner, they're chipping in goals. It's not about, their top guys there. Uh, the St. Louis Blues are getting the same thing done. Minnesota Wild, the same thing done. But those teams that are so top-heavy, it's fun when the top boys are riding, 
But, man, when they stop and put the pressure on the third and fourth liners, there's a lot of times those guys just can't respond. You like the Leafs or Edmonton tonight? JB's taking bets. I'm going to take the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. <laughs> he knows where his friend's <laughs> buttered. Hey, that guy, Hey, where's this show coming out of? <laughs> Toronto. Out of your basement, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, a few more I, positive tests, and it could be. No kidding. You know, I, I mean, I thought that I thought that you were at, at your uh, the little golf co- uh, simulator downstairs doing <laughs> the show. Yes, that came in quite handy uh, the last year and a half. I, I don't have my handicap as low as yours, though. No, you don't want it this low, Kipper. Can't win any money this way. <laughs> I'm sure you you can find a way. Darren Pang, thanks for joining. <laughs> My pleasure. Justin Kipper, take care. Okay. Darren Pang, TNT. What is his cap? I think he plays at about a three. Wow, yeah. really? Yeah, he's like one of those like sneaky. He's like, great, great hands are on the green or what? Really nice touch. Yeah. You know, you're not a three. There's not really many threes with bad mitts around the green. Three's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Victor yeah. Hovland had a tough I mean, chipping stretch for a while, but other than that. I think he's like a, a, a buck 30 well, that's soaking the thing is, wet. In my so mind, he's like, I don't know. Uh, it's not like he's he driving is, at 290, but he he's straight. He's consistent. And the whole game, boys, 150 in, up and downs. Yeah. Scramble. High scramble percentage. Problem is, when you don't play a lot and you hit it a good way, which – you know, I think uh, I do. You end up looking for balls that they're not coming back, Kipper. They're OB. Like, I'm just dropping balls. I'm not chipping out anything. Thank God they still make them. Yeah. <laughs> that was good, though. No, I appreciate his insight on all things, not the division we watch. Really, uh, you know, good luck at the St. Louis Blues. And uh, thoughts on Ryan O'Reilly are interesting. You know what I heard? A guy who didn't want to say because he's so polite that O'Reilly hasn't been. He's probably not making Team Canada, O'Reilly. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't heard uh, anything official on uh, Blake Wheeler, but I, I think his season's in jeopardy. You do? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, I think they were still waiting on tests, but the the big one, I think, the worrisome, the ACL. Wow. Well, I mean, trying to make sense of his season this year was like COVID, long hauler, ACL yeah. would be obviously significant, but he hasn't moved the same way that he used to move. So something has been not right. I don't. He's. I think he still was producing points, though. I think he was involved. Did he not have uh, 16, 17 assists? Maybe he just wasn't scoring. Maybe seventeen points in twenty-three games, twenty-five games. See but you, how you do here? Big pressure. Oh, 17 points in twenty-two games. Wow, a goal and sixteen assists. Not horrible. Ah, it's okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah. The thing is, he's he's got to be a threat to put the puck in the net. And he has been in his career. Yeah. So, so let's just hope, uh, you know, whatever officially comes out, that uh, there's some way he can salvage the season. Kyle Connor shot in the net 18 times while I'm on Winnipeg's page. Yeah, I like him a lot. I do too. Yeah, no, he's really dynamic, really exciting offensively. I do believe that uh, Kemper... I'm not sold on him in Colorado, and this is supposed to be the team that uh, really, by far, should be the favorites in the West. They're the betting faves. All right, let's continue our show out West. Russ Cortnell, co-host of the Suspendables podcast. (laughs) How's that going, Cortz? It's it's going. I uh, never... uh... 
imagine that I'd be doing something like this. And we've been doing it for two years and it's a lot of fun. Nice. You miss your, uh, you missed days in Toronto when you were a Leaf and uh, you get followed to the Eaton Centre and stuff like that? <laughs> oh, those, I love Toronto. I, uh, I can't wait to get back there. I haven't, I haven't been there in a while, but uh, hopefully soon. But my memories of Toronto were great. 18 to 23, it was a fun time playing with Wendell and Gary Lehman and all the other guys and young team and unfortunately we didn't stick together long enough to have uh, lots of success oh god we had ally afraidy on the show maybe about <laughs> a week and a half ago two weeks ago i i need to dedicate just two hours for ally afraidy stories big al so what when when i started playing in there we had 11 guys who smoked and you didn't win that year (laughs) we had six that smoked in between periods the other five waited till the charter on the way home how courteous but al would have two cigarettes in between periods just lighten one (laughs) off the next one when when we (laughs) i played with him in washington and yeah, the trainers would fight over who had to unpack his equipment <laughs> because of the stench of cigarettes coming out of his wet equipment soaked, like oh. fist fist fights, fist fights. Because then you'd, oh, yeah. you'd you'd smell like a carton of cigarettes yeah. for the next day and a half. <laughs> oh boy, I'll I'll tell you one story. Uh, when we when Dan Maloney left for Winnipeg and John Brophy became the head coach. We have a team meeting in training camp. And he's standing in the middle of the room in the washroom. From now on, you got to go in the weight room. To coach. <laughs> I was, I was going to ask about the culture of smoking in that era. Cause it was known you shouldn't be an athlete in smoking at the time. How was it received by the yeah. coaching staff and everyone else and other players? Well, they all smoke too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were the minority. Yeah, I guess. I like Freddie. Oh. Once in a while, he'd, he'd smoke and he'd, and he'd blow the smoke into the dryer. Just what? Yeah. Just so it didn't. And, uh, uh, yeah. So yeah. He, somehow he thought that the smoke was going out the back. You know. <laughs> and I'm like, my underwear's in there. <laughs> I. I couldn't breathe the next day in practice after a charter. We'd fly back from a road game. You couldn't see the front of the plane. <laughs> and the next day, I was dying of secondhand smoke. <laughs> uh, so did you see that change over your career? Was there an evolution in the amount of guys smoking? Yeah, it's, it started to really die yeah. off in the in the later eight in the late eighties and yeah. the only players that I saw smoke at towards the end of my uh career were the Russian players. Yeah. How so how about this, Russ? Because I don't think you're old enough. My dad was with the Islanders back in the day and they used to finish the game and uh Billy Smith had the trainer put three beers in his stall after every game. They'd play cards and drink after every game. Were there beers in the dressing room when you were playing? Yeah, there was. And then when um, Telly um, 
Lindbergh died in the uh, car accident after a game uh-huh. that that really stopped. Uh, but there was a couple teams that still continued to have the beer. Uh, the Canucks were one of them. And uh can't remember who else. Maybe Montreal. Okay, this is the one that I should stop with the, the beer stories because uh, <laughs> we, we, we got to actually get current here in this segment. I don't Although, know that. I'll, I won't remember the next things we say for the next 12 minutes, but I'll remember <laughs> Ally Afraidy smoking. <laughs> hey, Russ, what, what is what is the, the, the feeling? You're, you're out in Vancouver, are you not? I mean... Uh, you know, this, I'm in LA. Actually. Are you in LA? But you're you're still yeah. talking to a lot of people in Vancouver and and getting that sense of uh, just this uh, complete 180. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux, now Jimmy Rutherford, yeah. and uh, everybody out west ordering w- rings. Yeah, they're excited. Uh, it, I know a couple of the guys who work in the organization, and they just said that the uh, the positive attitude turnaround has been huge and people are having fun again and you Kipper you know what it's like you get on a losing team or a losing streak and it just sucks and it's negative and now they've won four in a row and they're uh, blocking out Stanley Park Street for uh, the summer parade did you have that happen in your career where a, a coach was replaced and kind of reinve- reinvigorated a team? I, you know, I, I myself haven't experienced that, but you hear about players talk about that sort of, you know, fresh bit of energy and new beginning for a lot of guys. Um, I would say when Pat Quinn took over, he had to, he got rid of uh, Ricky Lee and, and he came down and coached the rest of the year. And I think he had such a huge impact in the locker room that, and, and respect that it really changed the attitude of the team. There is something to be said, uh, Rusty, about uh, a third, a third, a third, where, you know, whether or not you're winning or losing, a third of the players will love the coach because you're out in all situations. You're playing 20 minutes a night. There's a, a group that couldn't, you know, couldn't care less one way or the other. And then the right. the, the third that absolutely despise them because they feel yeah. like they're not getting uh, their just due. It, it really, you really sense that with Travis Green where, you know, you started hearing stories about Miller and him exchanging a few words in practice. And there's no question the ownership group, uh, uh, Aquilini ne- ne- needed to make a change and he waited as long as he could. Mm-hmm. He, you know, the Aquilini's, they want to win. Um, they they gave Jim Benning pretty much everything he needed, and and they just had to make a change. And I, I congratulate them for for doing it. And now we're seeing the results of a, you know, even though short term, we're seeing some positive results. Do you think those results for like Brock Besser could be directly tied to that? Or is it just pure circumstance that, you know, he's happening to shoot some pucks in the net now that Bruce Boudreaux's there? Well, I heard Boudreaux say that when he coached again, him, against him, he always said you were shooting, shooting, shooting. And he, he said, this year, I haven't seen you shoot the puck, shoot the puck more. And sometimes just a different voice, and and somebody patting you on the back. I don't know what his relationship with 
with Travis, but he sure has picked it up since uh, Bruce has come in. And you you guys know that doesn't matter what stage of your career it, you're you're in that uh, everybody needs to be. Uh, uh, they need a pat on the back once in a while when they're down. So what's uh, what's the overall feeling uh, along the uh, California coast? Because the three teams that we really didn't see anything kind of looking like uh, teams that could contend for a playoff spot, all of a sudden L.A., Anaheim, and San Jose seem to be right there. Isn't it funny? Because that was the feeling around here, that they were in the rebuild and in different stages and geez, they look, look where they all stand. It's amazing. And I think, I think that just goes to show you the NHL today, how, how good the players are and how good the teams are. Well, we got Toronto and Edmonton. Uh, uh, Want to take a quick crack at uh, who wins this one? Rusty. My leaf. <laughs> Smart guest today. <laughs> that's just not anybody. That's the center iceman of the hound line. You know who's on the hound line? No. Sammy, you want to take a crack at the hound line? Rusty, let him know. Gary Lehman and Wendell Clark. Oh man, that's a come on. Line. Think oh, about that for a second, line. eh? You Both had... were drafted as defensemen, converted into wingers. Because I was so bad on my own end. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> Russ Cordell. Hey, thanks, pal. Okay. Thanks right. for joining us. Appreciate it. Over a thousand games. Three goals shy of three hundred. He's one of my favorite players to watch. Oh my god, could he scoot? Yes. <laughs> he was See, he'd be he'd be scary right now. He... He had, he's like a Barzell today. Yeah. yeah, I like that comparison a lot. Yeah, you know, that's a fun game to play is like what player from your era or prior to your era, because I don't think you're old enough to make this comparison, but going back to maybe, you know, older than you, would you like to see in today's NHL? Or even your era, if you have someone top oh, of gosh. mind that, uh, that you want to. Korea. Oh, Paul. Number Curry. one. Oh, my gosh. I saw highlights of him the other day oh just going through the my internet. My favorite player when I was a kid. My, me loved, too. Adored Paul Sackick, I loved. It was like uh, he was scooting on water. And, and like his, change in direction, he, lateral. Yeah, Pavel Bure. didn't even spend that much time on the ice. Yeah. Just flying. Korea was so smooth and smart. Great shot. Good finisher. Delight to watch. So I loved the dart smoking stories. I, I do too. I don't know why I can't get I, enough of that hockey because it seems so ridiculous in, in a you know I, I anaerobic know. cardio sport. I can't remember who I heard talking about this, but they said that Casparitis used to smoke in the shower yeah. so he would avoid the media. Like he would smoke in the he would sit in the shower and smoke until the media was gone. Is that do you know anything about that? Do you have any intel on that? I heard I'm a story sure. about that. It sounds like it's true. <laughs> you know, and you I, know I, it I thought just the, let's so get, sounds like it's true. Let's not get the facts get in the way of a good story. No, and I had heard variations of the story you told about um Big Al there, about like Russian players going into the equipment room and like the skate sharpener vacuum, the air fan, whatever you call it. Um, you know, blowing the cigarette smoke in there. So when we played in Washington, there was a portion of, uh, of uh, the cap center that could see right in front of our dressing room door. So 
Al had just gotten traded from the Leafs to uh, to Washington, but uh, you know the American he was used to the Canadian cigarettes being so much stronger than the American oh, ones. Yeah. So he would rip the filters off the American <laughs> ones, and then they, they got flooded. The box office would get flooded with calls that uh, Ally Friday's uh, smoking up between periods. <laughs> <laughs> He's Just high as a kite. A tight one, eh? <laughs> I, that's incredible. I, I saw. I think it was Zubov. I heard the stories. About I saw. Did I, you guys see that Emily Kaplan thing on Ovi? At the she was doing the inter, She was doing in between the benches for caps and pens on on Friday night, and uh, apparently he drinks Pepsi. He's got a he's yeah. got a specific water bottle with Pepsi in it and but, Dr Pepper as well in the intermission. You know, a lot of people will, will say that like once you get your heart rate up and you're in in exercise, like sugar is fine. Like they'll take it like a, you know it's caffeine and sugar essentially. It's terrible for you, but like during the game, it's not going to hurt your performance. Yeah, you can maintain that without spike. You know, a, but a bottom. You, out you of can the maintain the spike. Yeah, but don't you? I mean, you know when you have like a sip of pop. Like I've I've always said that the first sip of a can of Coca Cola. Is one of the greatest things in the world, like a cold can. Yes. But then, like the second, it's like, ugh, like my ha- <laughs> yeah, like, it's sitting there all you like hairy the teeth, <laughs> and it's like, imagine what it would taste like on the bench when you're like playing in an like NHL a warm like, NHL arena. No, thank you. Chara not also uh, a uh, cola guy. Yeah, cola guy. I've, I don't know. I feel like it's fairly common in like uh, the odd dressing room. Someone will have a trainer will put one there between periods or something like that. But that's that Man. is a different look. But I, I mean. Go ahead. I was say smoking in general. Yeah. You don't see it. You like a dart when you drink? I do like a dart here and there. You do? I do. Not often. Maybe once every couple months I'll have a dart. Nothing crazy. We used to have all those uh, meetings uh, in training camp. You know, the FBI would come in and... Yeah, that's a cool right? thing in NHL training camp. The financial advisor comes through. And it was like... It, this was the, the scope of our security uh, meetings. And he was a wonderful gentleman. His name was Frank Torpy. And he had this... <laughs> Boston accent, yeah. and it, it, the meeting would last like forty seconds, and it would it, this would be Frank Torpy. You're at a party. <laughs> you see some illegal drugs. Grab your car keys and get the hell out of there. <laughs> that was the meeting. Was it was a, over. Needs, right? Illegal drugs are the worst kind. Of oh yeah, <laughs> right? I'm sure. I, <laughs> and, and, Everybody, of course, drove to the party, right? <laughs> yeah. So no no reference to, like, if you've had three drinks, do yeah. not grab your car keys. No, but no. That Don't was, pick up the phone right? and call a taxi. Grab your keys. That was a mid to late 80s FBI security, NHL security meeting. Well, that I, was the gist of it right there. You know, my, uh, my dad and Clark Gillies were next-door neighbors growing up, or not growing up with the Islanders, and when they would play in the playoffs – they would have they drove together in a pickup truck and they would have beers on the way home like and then and then after the, the game throw them in the back of the pickup and they wouldn't take them out till after they won the Stanley Cup or were eliminated from playoffs one or the other they won four cups in a row <laughs> So the back of this thing is by the finals. It's just you're sloshing around empty. I was going to say it's like a wedding. Could, could you call just... an officer more clearly than that? Oh today? yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. In the, there, those boys are getting pulled over. The, the cops are like, "Oh hey, fellas, yes, off you go." Yeah, that's know, funny. I, there's a story or two about that. Yeah, sure. that's hope, hilarious. Yeah, security has improved, by the way, well, uh, since then. Good lord, a little. But little so, different time. I mean, the the number one thing, and I think it goes across all hockey players, is. The pregame coffee is a must, right? Yeah, well, that's you know, the, Kipper? The, 
My era it was Red Bull I and Sudafed. Uh, I, I didn't become a coffee guy till after I retired. Really? Yeah, but uh, I the especially You're wound in the, up though. Especially You're in the American the American Hockey League, the bus would pull in and there'd be three guys walking towards the dress room and they just start screaming. Hopefully the trainers hear it. Coffee! <laughs> coffee! <laughs> and it wasn't Paul Coffee coming to rescue us. I, I, I won't even go in the rink if I don't have a coffee. I, I need to, to have a coffee. To this day? I have you to have a coffee it before. Like eight at night, yeah, just, don't you? just I'll, I'll have like two or three sips out of it. I won't even drink the full thing, but, but I you, have to taste do it. Do you get the caffeine buzz no, off of it? No, it's all routine. It's but, all but, Dumbo brain. But the guys, the guys want that, that caffeine hit. Yeah. Well, I think there was a era and maybe that was mine where it was like guys taking these caffeine pills that were you know well they turned into sooties yeah and then you do right the, you do the smelling salts too which i've never done that before that is it? delightful just a second of pure brain clarity that thing that did you guys oh, ever yeah. use those yeah oh my god you al, al that may thing? was the worst oh man i love those that just fries your brain oh, cells it does. doesn't for like it? 10 seconds you go blind no and then it, it, it really really is like mental clarity but it's painful. I mean, you get, if you take too de- deep a sniff. Uh, when we when we when we get our show on YouTube, we'll uh, we'll all do. Oh, let's salts. make that a just, thing. Let's get some they, of those in here. Just before the show goes to air. Kipper, let's go. Kipper, every day. I think we need smelling salts in here. That's how we lead the show. We need more help than that. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. That that just may be the start. Oh. That, that'll help us in like for the first five seconds of the show. Yeah. <laughs> What are we thinking tonight, boys? First of all, it seems like there's going to be a hockey game, so that's a good start. All right. No more news trickling out here. What are we thinking for tonight? I got money on – I haven't bet on the Leafs in, I don't yeah, know, a month and a half, but I, I put money on them tonight. Wounded animal, losers of five in a row. Actually, it's a good point. The, I, I don't see the Oilers losing tonight. Wow. I just I just think it's such a mismatch in net. Koskinen going for them. I watched that game on Saturday night. Boy. No Hyman. No McLeod. Oh, Hyman's, uh, yeah, sorry. Hyman's not back. Duncan Keith is back yeah. tonight. Disappointing. We do not agree. Dis- <laughs> disappointing, no Hyman. But, like, he took a really good shot on the weekend. Yeah. Like, if they they even thought about playing him, I mean, I was going to rip him today because yeah. this guy is nothing but wear and tear. You got to make sure down the stretch he's healthy. God, it feels like they're Toronto of old. It's it like really, oh, it's like oh, Hyman gets hurt and your depth is screwed. Can't get a save. Yeah. It's like oh my God, is this the twenty? Like, uh, <laughs> anyways. But no, I, I think the Leafs uh, they do match up well. I'm excited. Bakayev's back. Dermott's back. Couple of healthy guys in the Leafs side should be fun. Despite the news of COVID running rampant through the National Hockey League, out of fun. Fun time today with you guys. Yeah, good Love time. That. We get at least one more hockey game before the whole world comes crashing down. <laughs> our thanks, our thanks to Mark Messier, Darren Pang, Russ Cortnell, JB, Sammy, Derek. As always, a pleasure. We're right back tomorrow, and we'll recap Edmonton and Toronto. Have a great night, everybody.